This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. You're listening to a Business Radio special presentation from the floor of the Wharton People Analytics Conference in Philadelphia. Here again is Professor Kate Massey. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Wharton People Analytics Conference. This is the third annual Wharton People Analytics Conference. We are broadcasting from the conference floor halfway through our main day. We started last night with a session, delightful session from Nobel laureate Danny Kahneman. And a little open bar, a little heavy, heavy duty last night in the full program full program today. We're talking this hour with four different guests, catch them for about 15 minutes. Our third guest today is Brian Welly. Brian is the Director of People Analytics at Google. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So Brian, I, you know, just a little bit of background. You, you presented this morning on Teams at Google. You've been doing People Analytics at Google for, I think, about 10 years now. That's right. Is that right? Can you give us some background how you got started on this? So I, I've known you for most of those 10 years. I don't know you postdoc at the Kennedy School. Good Lord. You've got, you got a PhD in I.O. from NYU, mm-hmm. and you postdoc at Kennedy. And then what you hear about this little company out in, in Mountain View, how is it that you ended up at Google? Well, it was a lot littler in 2006 than it is today for sure. So I had done my postdoc, and I was... I did the postdoc because I thought I might want to be a professor, and then I saw how hard professors actually have to work, and I decided that maybe that wasn't for me. Uh Um, So this role that I applied for in 2006 could not be described to me by my interviewer. He basically said, (laughs) we've got a lot of data and and a lot of challenges on the people side, and we need smart people who know how to do research to help us figure it out. Oh my gosh. And that was the lack of structure I was looking for at the time. So you told a story last night at dinner, I think, about a scene from Star Trek, which you felt like perfectly captured what you wanted to do in life. And so I'd love to hear that story. Yeah, and it was a true story. (laughs) I honestly uh, believe that I am an IO psychologist today because I watched Star Trek The Next Generation when I was in high school. There was one character that really stood out to me across the whole show. And oddly, when I ask people about Star Trek The Next Generation now, that is the one character they never really think about, but it was Deanna Troy. And she was the ship's counselor. And she was the one who uh, negotiated cross-cultural agreements. She was the advisor to the captain. She did the crew rosters. Mm -hmm. And she was the only person on the bridge that did not have to wear a regulation uniform. And I thought... (laughs) How could I be the? How could I be a ship's counselor to an organization? And I sort of feel like that's what my role is at Google. Is that right? Yep. So map that onto your role at Google now. What? How would you describe what you do, and where are the connections between that and that and that Star Trek generation, next generation character? Okay. Well, so Deanna Troy really had to understand why people were behaving the way that they did, and she had to sort of impose um, a logical, uh, I, I guess, explanation for what was going on so she could make those interactions better and save the crew and all sorts of other fun things. Um, The amazing thing about organizations is, as human beings, we all know how to do the basics. We know how to interact with each other. We we can get through the day. We can um, work in teams relatively productively, but there's so much room to optimize all of that. If you can take a step back and understand the dynamics, you can actually help the system work better. Mm-hmm. You can give people the tools that they need to self-regulate. You can put rules in place when you need to. There's so many opportunities for efficiency that a lot of organizations don't even know that they need 
because they're people and they say, I know how to do all this stuff because I've been doing it my entire mm -hmm. life. Brian, I know that Google is not a very rules happy place. In fact, yep. they're anti-rules. Yep. And, um, but can you give us an example? You said, you said put rules in place when you need to. Can you give us an example of where even at Google, you realized you need to put a rule in place? Yep, so I think a good example actually is our approach to management. And so this was, uh, and I, hierarchy is like a necessary evil in most organizations, and that's the way it was. Except for Tony Shea, who just talked about holacracy downstairs just before lunch. <laughs> We're going to pretend we didn't hear that okay, part. Okay, so setting that most, aside. Most organizations need that. And so we, we, of course, had managers at Google, but we did not provide them with a lot of structure. We said, we want your teams to be productive. We want you to do good work. We will not stifle you with rules on how to get that done. Uh, we were getting some signals that managers on the whole were not performing or at least not providing the experience to the people on their teams that we would say you would want to have necessarily when you come to work. And so we did research on what differentiates the best managers from the not so great managers and came up with eight attributes of success, everything ranging from having consideration to people as people to providing coaching and career development advice. Given that we know that that is what makes teams successful and team members happy. Mm -hmm. We uh, codified that set of eight. We give every Google employee the chance to rate their manager on those eights mm -hmm. and eight attributes, and we provide them with a the feedback. So that's an example of a set of eight rules that is empirically based. We know it drives good outcomes. And so if you can prove that a set of rules is leading to better outcomes, mm -hmm. people will listen to that. Mm -hmm. It's just, mm -hmm. it needs to be based in data and evidence. Okay. So I know that you talked this morning about some of the team's research you guys have done, because you guys do research in-house all the time to figure out what's working, what's not working, how you can improve things. We could talk with you about, you know, you're well, very well known outside Google now even for unconscious biases and work on diversity. Yep. You've been working on judgment biases within Google for probably the whole 10 years. But can we hear a little bit more about this team's research? Yep. Because I feel like teams is a place where analytics hasn't made much progress yet. It's hard to do. Yep. You guys have made some progress. So can you describe what you've done? Yeah. So first of all, I think that there, there are two really big, important um, topics within organizations that are incredibly difficult to study. One is leadership, and the other is teams. And part of the complexity is that we all feel, like as human beings, we work in teams and we look to leaders, and so we feel like we intuitively understand it. And yet, when you try to actually study it, you realize they're right. messy, the rules are difficult to determine. Um, and so we leave a lot and, of it and unstructured. And, and variable, right? So exactly. there has to be some contingency for environment and mm -hmm. situation. And so we sort of leave those things alone and we let them happen. Yeah. Um, we didn't want to let teamwork just happen at mm -hmm. Google because we thought there might be an opportunity to help teams be more effective mm -hmm. and to create a better team experience. And uh, there's a lot of requests that are coming from actual engineers who are doing work. Our engineering population tends to be very... Um, skeptical about the status quo anyway, and so we're asking us, what do we know? You have so much data about us. What can you tell us about what will help us work better together? Mm -hmm. And so that was the genesis of the work. Mm -hmm. So we're talking to Brian Welly. Brian heads up as uh, director of people analytics at Google. Mountain View Company, of course, even though Brian's in New York. Can you tell us some of the details of what you found in that study? Yep. So what we were expecting to find is that we would have a whole long list of individual characteristics that would help us determine the composition of an effective team. You'd want a tenure mix, you want to make sure you have gender diversity, you want extroverts, you want introverts, you want highly conscientious people, you want that whole mix. 
and if we could quantify that mix, we could come up with the ideal recipe for an effective team. Instead, what we found... It sounds like back to Star Trek Next Generation, yeah. right? That's exactly <laughs> what she was doing. This is, you've been working on this for 10 years, haven't you? <laughs> That's right. I, we want a Klingon, a Beta Z, <laughs> a couple of humans, and an Android. Great, great. Um, and so what we found instead was that those individual factors did not predict team success. What predicted team success is what, they were what the team members themselves were actually doing in their interactions with each other. What kind of an environment were they creating? How much could they depend on each other? How clear were their goals? Hmm. And so the delivery you that- You can it, measure those things. You can absolutely measure those things. And uh, psychologists have been measuring them. They didn't necessarily put them all together in one study, mm -hmm. but there are existing measures. And now that we know that, we can actually distribute those measures to teams so they can take a self-diagnostic and they mm -hmm. at least have the language and the structure to make improvements to their team process. Mm -hmm. So you've operationalized this already? Teams are using these things? Mm -hmm. I mean, can you tell us what this looks like in action? Yep. So we created a diagnostic. We tested it to make sure that it was uh, valid, uh, internally consistent, um, had a good user experience. We created an online survey. Um, and if you are a member of a team, you can uh, input the names and the emails, uh, uh, email addresses of all of your team members into the system. And if everyone agrees that they're ready for this experience, the surveys get sent out, uh, people fill it out, um, and then it gets aggregated. And so each team gets a report on each of these five dynamics that we found to be important. And that's the starting place for the conversation. And yep. Tell us about that. How do teams react to that? So it, you know, people are probably, I would think, in most organizations, sensitive about giving critical feedback in that kind of setting. So somehow you get that critical feedback, and now yep. you've got to process it. What does that look like? Uh, it's usually... Uh, perceive very well. So first of all, it's instigated by the team, so they're, they want the feedback. They're uncertain what they're going to get. Usually what the diagnostic does is um, uh, gives you information you sort of felt already about the team, mm. but it helps you channel that. I will tell you the place where it's most difficult is if across the five dimensions, the one place where your team scores extremely low is on psychological safety, mm -hmm. then providing you with that feedback and say, it's psychologically unsafe, you, you people figure it out. Uh, we usually need a trained facilitator <laughs> right. to come in and broker that particular conversation. With that particular group. Yep. You know, you said, you, you reminded me, Charles Duhigg writes about this project in his new book, and mm -hmm. the New York Times excerpted it a few weeks ago. And oh. our friend Julia Rozovsky noted was noted prominently in that article. But I think in that article, he, say, he quoted someone as saying, especially maybe for programmers, if you can put numbers around our emotions, it makes it easier to talk about them. It does. Is, is yeah. that right? And is that what you found out there? Yes. We find that with so many things. This is why analytics has flourished within, within Google. Okay. So that, this is a great environment for analytics. I'm yep. happy for analytics. Uh, one, one last observation I want to hear. The, the very practical tip for those working remotely. I heard you and Elizabeth McCune at Microsoft talking about what it means to work away from headquarters. Mm -hmm. You say you have a recipe for what makes this work. What's your recipe? Okay. So my own personal recipe was I worked in headquarters for two years before I left, which allowed me to create a really good and robust social network. Um, and then you have to have this skill to uh, collaborate in meetings over video conference. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that you can learn over time. Uh, what's great about our team's research is one of the things that I was afraid that we would find is that the distributed nature of team actually would negatively impact effectiveness and then they, they'd force me to move back to headquarters. <laughs> right. Fortunately, no correlation. Did you, did you cheat the data, Brian? Is that, was, are we sure that the data are valid? I'm not allowed to say that publicly. <laughs> 
So uh, I think Elizabeth added a couple things based on her experience that, so one, you need that foundation, that initial foundation with headquarters that allows you to build that network. I know, again, Google's done research on onboarding and how yep. important that onboarding phase is. So if you're going to work remotely, we want you to be uh, at least not remote for a while. Yep. Another thing she mentioned is that you need to not be the only person remotely. So if you're the isolate, then you might be treated differently than if you have two or three or yep. even the whole team That's right. distributed around. And um, anyway, that just sounds like very practical advice. It does. We're down to just a minute or so. What's something you guys are working on now? What can we anticipate hearing from you about so, you know, two years from now? Um, so you might be tired of hearing us talk about unconscious bias and Never. the diversity Never. narrative. Never, we don't tire about it. Um, but we uh, started this journey a few years ago with a concerted uh, investment in unconscious bias training and other mm -hmm. diversity-related activities. It has just skyrocketed since then. Mm -hmm. um, we have. Uh, made some public declarations about diversity and where we want the tech industry to go. So I sincerely hope that is what you're going to hear us talk more about in the next six months, year, two years. It sounds to me like you're talking about efforts that aren't just internal, but you're focused more broadly. Absolutely. Fantastic. Okay. Brian, Brian Welly, Director of People Analytics at Google, thanks for joining us. Thank Appreciate you. It. Bye. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.